This talk is brought to you by the Thomistic Institute. For more talks like this, visit us at ThomisticInstitute.org. Well, thanks also to the Vocation Office and to the Thomistic Institute for the invitation to speak to you this morning and to continue the conversation that you've been having about prudence. Hopefully up to now you've come to realize how important prudence is to the moral life, how important prudence is to human life. It's the queen of the moral virtues. Aquinas, reflecting Aristotle, observed that every action that we undertake in some way is the fruit of prudence. It results from prudence, or at least it results from the unfolding of the steps of prudence, which we'll look at a little more closely today. There's nothing in life that we accomplish, no act that we undertake or achieve that isn't the result in some way of prudence. And so as the queen of the moral virtues, prudence deserves, requires our attention, not just to appreciate it from afar, but to learn, to help ourselves to learn how it is that we can grow in this virtue, how we can develop this virtue in us, how we can perfect uh, this virtue in us. And again, it's important to realize, again, that every act that we undertake is the result of prudence. And this goes for especially something like vocational discernment, which I think a lot of people underappreciate, or in fact don't appreciate <laughs> at all. That even though we act in a certain way or achieve our goals in a certain way through prudence in the whole of life. Some folks have the, this notion that somehow vocational discernment is different or choosing our vocation, choosing our state in life is somehow different. That what we have to do there, I've had men and women sit in my office explaining that this is their approach to vocation to discernment, picking it up somewhere, that they have to void their mind of any kind of claim to truth, they have to void their will of any kind of desire and love and just present before the Lord a blank slate, absolutely waiting for him simply to impress his will upon us. And we have to, in a sense, void ourselves of everything that we know and everything that we love so that God can show us what we're to do with our lives. That's wrong. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, that leads to frustration, uh, it leads to misery, uh, and I've seen it. These men and women who sit in my office, they break down at a certain point because that's an unnatural state to put oneself in. And to expect that God wants this of us, a complete voiding of what we know and love in order to serve him is, uh, is not right. Not only is it uh, difficult to sustain it, it's unnatural you know, for us and, uh, and not in fact what God wants. As we'll see, and hopefully as you see by the end of this weekend, it's by our knowing and by our loving that the Lord leads us uh, to not only recognize but also embrace and live according to his will. Prudence plays a big part in that so that whatever our state in life, whatever our vocation is, is certainly the fruit of God's grace, absolutely. But at the same time is 100% the fruit of our own prudence, of our own deliberation, our own choice, our own command, as we'll see in a moment. So again, prudence as the queen of the virtues, not just important for us to get along in life and succeed in life, but prudence also plays a primary role in the Christian life, in the life of grace. It's through prudence that we cooperate with the truth that God reveals to us, 
the grace that he gives us to shape our mind and heart is through prudence that we come to love what God loves, neighbor and self, and, and our neighbor. So that's just a little bit of background, just again, to underscore what probably you've already heard, just as to prudence's importance uh, and its, uh, its application, not just in our natural human life, but also in the life of grace. Aquinas helps us to see, as he employs Aristotle in his own reflection on the gospel, how it is that prudence is that virtue by which we insert reason into our action. In other words, it's the habit of good practical reasoning. As rational animals, the intellect takes the pole position in life, in all of our thinking, obviously, but all in all of our acting that our acting too is the result of, of our knowledge of the truth. And not just the knowledge of the truth speculatively speaking, not just knowing the truth to know the truth, but knowing the truth in order to govern our actions rightly. That mind adequates itself to reality, not just so that we might know reality, but also act in accord with it, to act in cooperation with it. That mind and heart, intellect and appetite, reflect in themselves the truth, the ordering of goods in the world. And that's what prudence helps us to do, is to insert reason, truth, into our act. It's the habit of practical reason. Inserting truth into life. I'm going to use the board here because it's going to be helpful for us to sketch these things out. Aquinas, again, reflecting uh, on Aristotle, helps us to see how every action that we undertake follows a similar pattern. In every act, we first form some intention to do something. And with that setting of intention, it's basically a setting of goal for ourselves, something we want to achieve. So we first set the intention, and ultimately through our action, we arrive at and achieve the goal. What comes between those two things is a, what we call the means. It's through the means that we move from intention, what we want to do, and our goal, actually doing what we want to do. We know just by experience that intending to do something is not enough to do it. And anything that we, in fact, do achieve or do is the result of some intention. But in between the two is the means. And this is really what prudence is concerned with, the means. How do we get from what we want to do to actually doing it? Again, this applies to everything, every action that we undertake. Every act that we undertake is really the engagement of some means in acting, you know, some intention towards some goal, regardless of what the goal is. Some goals can be goals, goods in and of themselves. Other goals, and it's many of the goals of life that we have, are in fact means to further ends. So the whole of life is I mean, a complex web of action. The prudence obtains simply matching intentions to goals, to finding the right means to achieve 
the goal that we've set for ourselves. And this is where prudence gets a little complex, wonderfully so. But there are really three steps. And the unfolding of the engaging of means towards an end. First is what we call deliberation. And this is the first step in the unfolding of prudence. And this is once we have some goal in mind, the first thing we do is begin to deliberate about the means, which is to say, we look around us to see what are the possibilities at hand for us to achieving the goal. What are the possible means? And we begin to survey them and list them. We deliberate about them. And I'll give further examples of this once we sketch out the whole unfolding of prudence. So that's the first step, deliberation, first act of intellect. There's a movement of will that follows upon this, which we can call consent. That among all of the possible means to an end that are available to us, already we begin to incline towards one or two or three of them as really preferred. They all don't appear equal to us. Already we have some kind of emotional or passionate attachment to a few of them. And it's those that we're going to incline towards and then bring to the second step, which is judgment. Those possible means that we consent to, that we bring to the second step, we scrutinize to a greater degree. We recognize not just that they're available or possible to us, but we scrutinize them according to our circumstances. Are they fitting in this time, in this place, in this way? We scrutinize them according to a certain caution. Is there, are there hidden dangers uh, within this possible uh, means to the end? Also, with some foresight, we look, is this means actually conducive to achieving our goal will it in fact help me to achieve what it is that I want to do and what other effects that the engagement of this means you know what other effects might this have if I choose this course of action and once we've scrutinized the possible means that we brought to this second step we have to make a judgment which of them is in fact the prudent one in this moment the most appropriate one uh, for achieving goal and once we make a judgment as to the appropriateness of the means then we actually the movement of the will that follows upon that is choice election we settle upon it not just with an act of will making a good judgment about the means but by choice of the will we choose that's the means we're going to employ and then that takes us then to the third step command because what, Arist what Aristotle and later Aquinas recognized that you can get to judgment and choice about the means to the end, but you've still not done anything yet. I mean, this is all still interior. You know, you've only judged 
the possible means to be good, you've chosen it as the one you want to undertake, but then you have to get to the third step and actually command yourself to do it. And that's a third act of intellect in the unfolding of prudence. It's a command of the intellect that gives to the will to execute the action. So just looking at this abstract, and again, we'll, we'll give some examples here to, to flesh this out. This is basically how it is that we undertake every act that we execute. We begin with some goal in mind and we fix ourselves. We intend to achieve that goal. Move into deliberating about the means, and this is where prudence takes over. And through deliberation, judgment, command, we arrive then at the execution of an action by which we arrive at our goal. Is that clear so far? Yeah, any questions uh, up to now? It's important to look, when you look at each of these steps, that there are other things involved here. Aquinas says that, and well, each of these are crucial, and we have to be good at each step, at accomplishing each step in order to arrive at the prudent reaching of our goals. You can't leave any of these out or skip over them too quickly. And once we see what's involved at each step, then that becomes a little bit clearer. Under deliberation, this is again, is where we're just simply surveying the possible means available to us to achieving the end. And here, this is where experience comes in. Memory, you know, have we done this kind of thing before? And if we did, then what did we do? And was it successful? So our own experience can be a teacher here in the level at the step of deliberation. So having a good memory is important for prudence. This is why one should reflect on one's life, reflect on one's actions. The examination of conscience is a good thing to do, to survey our day, to survey the week, to survey the month. How is it that we accomplished our goals? What goals did we set for ourselves? And in fact, did we accomplish them? And if we did, how did we do it? And was it successful? Was it a happy arrival at our goal? Was it unhappy? You know, these are the things that we kind of teach ourselves in terms of experience, which then when we, in the future, arrive at similar goals or similar actions, we have it in our memory. And we become, in a sense, a counselor to ourselves in terms of deliberating about how to achieve our goals. Now, it can happen that for the first time we pursue a particular goal or we find ourselves in some new situation we don't have any kind of experience. Uh, and so what do we do? I mean, are we just simply lost and left to ourselves? Well, Aquinas says no. Uh, this is where a little humility is, is, is involved. What do we do? We ask someone. You know, we ask a friend, a parent, a counselor, someone who has experience in this area to gain knowledge that we don't have ourselves, but we can draw on the knowledge and experience of another. So it's not only memory important here, but also Aquinas' docility. The humility to take counsel from another, to learn from the experience of others. Now what happens if we're in a new situation and there's no one we can ask <laughs> about uh, or ask for you know, their help or to draw on their experience? Aquinas says there's another quality here which is important for deliberation what he calls trueness. 
This is the ability in a new situation where you don't have experience and there's no one to draw counsel from, that you are able just to, to read the situation rightly and quickly come up with the possible means uh, to the end. The shrewd person is one who, you know, without a lot of experience in a given area, can kind of step in and immediately kind of see, okay, here's the problem, here's the goal, these are the ways in which we can achieve yeah, he, he has a, a good way of deliberating that rather quickly. So del deliberation, important first step in the unfolding of prudence. When through memory and docility and shrewdness we come up with an adequate list of the possible means to the end, and we've inclined to one or two, which we bring then to the second step of judgment. This is where prudence gets more serious. This is where, again, as I said before, we begin to scrutinize the possible means further, not just to whether to determine whether or not the means is good or evil, but whether the means is, in fact, appropriate in this circumstance, in this time, in this place. Is this, what is the best possible means? Noticing that you could probably have several possible ones to get to the end, but which is the best one for me now? And to determine that, there are a few things that come into play. I mentioned them briefly already, but we'll just list them again here. The first is foresight. The ability to look ahead and to anticipate, if I choose this means, what is, what's the result gonna be? Not only will I achieve the goal, but what other effects might it have? Good and bad. And this is where another aspect here comes into play, caution. Again, looking out for hidden evils that might be within that means itself, or again, looking forward to possible evil effects that my choosing this means may have here and now. When we talk about prudence, this element of caution is really oftentimes what comes to the forefront in mind when you think about the prudent person, what is he? I mean, cautious to the point of inaction, right? I mean, the the prudent one is the one who doesn't act <laughs> in order to keep himself or others safe. We just think of financial services. You know, why would you choose them? Well, because they're not going to do stupid things with your money. Uh, and they're, you know, they're just cautious to the point of not acting. When in fact, that's not at all, as you can see, what Aquinas has in mind with prudence. I mean, prudence wants to get us to action, to command, to the achieving of the goal. Caution is a part of that because we don't want to be foolhardy or thoughtless in the way we achieve our goals. So some caution is necessary, but it's not what governs or determines prudence as a whole. And then finally, circumspection. And that's a big fancy Latin word, which just means looking around. I mean, the person who is circumspect is the one who is aware of everything that's going on around them. 
So in the here and now, in terms of choosing a means to the end, which is the best in my particular circumstances? Not all of the possible means are going to be fitting to my time, my place, my circumstance. And so circumspection helps. You know, foresight looks ahead as to what is this possible means going to result in in the future. Circumspection looks around in the present to say, okay, how fitting is this means in the here and now? And then once through foresight, caution, circumspection, you make a judgment about one of the means available, but this is the most appropriate one, the best one, and you choose it, then we get to command and execution, which command and execution, then once you engage the means towards the end, you're on your way to the goal and to its, its achievement. So I hope you can see at this point, because of what's involved in each step, there's no arriving at the goal that doesn't undertake deliberation of the means well, judgment of the means well, and command of the means well. If any of these steps drops off or is neglected or ignored, there's no movement then to the goal. And what prudence does is a virtue in establishing and inserting right reason into practical reason is to make sure that we act well at each of these steps. And that each of these intellectual acts of deliberation, judgment, and command is undertaken and achieved as it should be towards the accomplishment of our goal. So if prudence you know, helps us to make sure that the unfolding of deliberation, judgment, and command work well, it's really to say that prudence works to make sure that these don't fail or fall apart when we arrive at them. And so it's important then maybe to see how it is that we can fail. What are the vices against prudence that might arise at deliberation, judgment, and command? And Aquinas identifies vices at each level. So if we fail in prudence at the step of deliberation, the vice here is what Aquinas calls precipitation. Just a fancy way of just saying we move too fast. You know, we don't actually survey all of the possible, the good possible options that because of some emotional or passional attachment already to one of them, once that arises, we just fix on that and quickly then move on to the second step of judgment. Which is to say the option that we're emotionally attached to may not be the best one in these circumstances and that we've actually passed up then the possibility of finding a better means to the end in these circumstances. Because through precipitation, we've just blown through deliberation and then moved to making a choice. So it's important, so prudence helps to prevent against precipitation by deliberating properly and well. And it doesn't mean that we have to take forever every time we undertake something. I mean, part of the, the, the good of developing the virtue of prudence is that, especially in, in actions that we're familiar with, or goals that we've, we've achieved many times, uh, because we've developed good habits in the achievement of those goals, uh, we don't have to deliberate a whole lot you know, in, in familiar territory. 
and this is where again we're memory and being our own counselor here you know drawing on our own experience you've all been to a thousand birthday parties you know you don't have to sit and deliberate okay well how am i going to celebrate this person's birthday you know you've done this before you know you draw on your own experience you don't have to sit and think about how do you act at a birthday party you know what goes on at the birthday party so in order to have a good time at a birthday party you can you know go through deliberation pretty quickly because you've done this many times before. That's not precipitation. That's just acting on good habit. Precipitation is you know, a vicious moving quickly through deliberation when in fact you should stop you know, through docility, get counsel from another, uh, or because you're in unfamiliar territory to, to sit and think first as to the best ways to achieve, to achieve the goal. Vicious failure at the step of judgment is, you spell that right, thoughtlessness. <clears throat> and this is where perhaps you've deliberated well and you're bringing a couple choices, a couple options to the step of judgment. But again, through some kind of flare up of passion or emotion, you don't really scrutinize the options available because of, you know, or through you know, exercising caution or circumspection or foresight, and you just too quickly, in a sense, thoughtlessly, you choose and elect one of them, judge and choose one of them to be the best means possible. And what does that often lead to? Well, to, to an, a kind of achieving of the goal that appears then Thoughtless. I mean, how many times have our parents asked us in recent history, I mean, like, what were you thinking? Yeah. Well, that's just the point. I wasn't. <laughs> we were. Because at the step of judgment, there was a little thoughtlessness that took place. That's something that seemed like a good idea at the time, and the best means of the, uh, you know, achieving the end. I want to impress my friends, so what do I do? Well, I pull the trampoline next to the garage, next to the swimming pool, so I can jump off the garage roof onto the trampoline into the pool. Uh, yeah, it might be nice, you know, in a certain sense, but it's pretty, pretty thoughtless. You know, parents are gonna come out and say, what were you thinking? Well, I wasn't. Uh, not a whole lot of caution and circumspection going into that decision. <laughs> It can happen that we deliberate well, we judge and choose well, but when we get to the step of command, which for Aquinas is, this is the, the principal, uh, most important step of prudence. Because again, prudence is all about actually achieving the goal. And we can deliberate well about the means, we can judge the one most appropriate in the moment, but if we fail to command it, we're no closer to our goal than, than we were before. Aquinas command is the most important step here. And here we have two ways in which we can fail. Negligence is one of them. And inconstancy, the other. Negligence is just a, a vicious 
lack of solicitude for achieving the goal. We just don't care enough at the, in the moment. That we know the, import, the goal is important. We've at least began to deliberate and judge means to it. But when it comes time to actually doing something, we just really don't care enough about achieving the goal. So we just remain motionless at, at this point, paralyzed at this point in time. And it's Saturday afternoon. You need to mow the grass. Uh, you've known all week that you need to mow the grass, but you know bowling is on. ESPN, you're, you're just enthralled by the whole thing. One, two, three hours later, you're still watching the bowling tournament. Uh, and you know that you have to get out in the grass. You just don't care enough about your yard in that moment. Something else has distracted you, you know, from and that there's just a lack of care there. Uh, that also comes close to inconstancy, which is we deliberate well, we judge well, but when it comes time to command the act, to achieve the goal, we get distracted easily by, by something else. So we're inconstant in the, the movement of prudence from deliberation, judgment, and command to achieving the goal. I mean, constancy is like the person who you know, sets a New Year's resolution to get fit. You know, you spend all of November, all of December getting the gym membership, buying all the right clothes. You know, you, you've got the schedule all set. It's January 2nd, maybe not the 1st. The first day to go to the gym, and you're on your way. You get up at 5 30, 6 o'clock, you're in the car going, and just as you're pulling up to the gym, you find yourself pulling instead into the Krispy Kreme, you know, <laughs> parking lot because they're offering some special, uh, I don't know, coffee donuts or something. And, uh, and that's a sign that, I mean, you're in constant here. I mean, there's something that has distracted you from properly commanding and executing the act towards the end because of some attraction, some distraction, some other pleasure has gotten uh, in the way. Prudence prevents that. Prudence helps us by inserting reason into our action, making sure that we remain constant and solicitous uh, enough to command and execute the, the deliberated means towards uh, achieving towards achieving our goals. So that's helpful to see. I mean, uh, not only what prudence does, but and actually helping us to achieve the goal and how it does that, but also what it prevents us from. I mean, the, the vices that, uh, the breakdown in, in prudence that, that the, the virtue helps us uh, to avoid. Well, let's take an example then and, and flesh this out. And uh, the example I use in class uh, all the time, it's uh, you, you look at your calendar at work and you realize that in a month's time, uh, it's your mom's birthday. And because you're a loving son or a loving daughter, I mean, the heart already begins to move, you know, in affection, maybe a little tear comes to your eye, you know, you just love mom. Uh, and, uh, and what are you gonna do in filial piety? You know, you wanna do something, you know, for her. So already, what's happening here? You learn some fact, I mean, some, some reality hits you, Mom's birthday isn't a month. I mean, that's, that's an informing of the mind. The mind's adequating itself to reality here. And what happens? Well, passion begins to stir. The heart begins to stir uh, in relation to that. What you're beginning to do here is form an intention. And what's the intention that you finally form? Celebrate mom's birthday. And what's the goal? 
celebrate mom's birthday. <laughs> But forming the intention is not the same as actually celebrating her birthday. Here, I mean, you're still sitting in front of your computer at the office and staring at your calendar. I mean, you've not done anything yet. Uh, a whole lot is happening inside, uh, but you've not moved any closer towards achieving the goal. Well, what needs to happen? Well, means to the end. What are they? What are you going to do? How is it that you're going to celebrate mom's birthday? So what begins to happen? Once you form the intention, we begin to deliberate about the means. What are some of the means available? How is it that you would celebrate your mom's birthday? What are some possible means? It doesn't have to be too self-revelatory here. But, uh, yeah. Buy her a cake. Okay, get a cake. What else? Flowers. Flowers. Okay, yeah, let's have a party. Anything else? What's that? Yeah, get her, get her some kind of gift. And that opens up a whole Pandora's box, right? I mean, it's like, I mean, what if, you know, that, that itself can start, you know, this, this whole process over. <laughs> Anything else? How about taking her to dinner? Maybe you live a thousand miles away from her and these things are impossible. Phone call. So you see already how this begins. You know, the intention to celebrate the birthday, well then you've got all these possibilities that, that start coming to the fore and they're all good. But then let's say in looking at them all, you begin to know, well, <clears throat> you can start actually maybe, you know, combining some of these. I mean, it could be a dinner party with cake. <laughs> you can maybe just do flowers and a call. You stay away from the gift because that just, you know, you'll, you won't know what to do. You know? But then when you're thinking about these things, I mean, you're going to begin already to incline, you know, to, to sum up them. Uh, and you just think, well, you know, I do live a thousand miles away. Don't really have the means at the moment to hop on a plane and go. So out of, you know, quickly, what, what seems to be the best right now are our flowers and a call. So you bring that. You know, to the step of judgment. Okay, this is the preferred means, but then you begin to scrutinize. Is in fact, in these circumstances, here and now, flowers and a call, is that adequate, you know, to celebrating my mother's birthday? Is it appropriate, uh, given my relationship with my mother? Uh, you know, is that gonna, is this gonna do it? <laughs> you know, uh, is she allergic, you know, to flowers? <laughs> I mean, that, that'd be one thing to, you might wanna ask. Uh, she may be, and if that's so, we come back to deliberation. But if not, then we begin to ask, well, what kind of flowers then? I mean, does she have any preference for? Uh, you know, then I you know, 
even if here, you might want to uh, take counsel from, let's say, my sister, who knows my, you know, my mother's preference for flowers more than I do. Um, also, in terms of a call, I mean, when do you call? Uh, is it possible to call? What's the what's the difference in time? I mean, how many time zones are between you and her? When you call first thing in the morning, is it going to be in the middle of the night where she is? So you know, there are other kinds of things: a caution, circumspection, foresight. Uh, will calling her and not traveling to her will that, you know, cause more problems? <laughs> Uh, should I make a sacrifice, in fact, to do more than just to call, make a visit? I mean, these are the kinds of questions that you, know, you really begin to scrutinize, you know, the, the meanings here. Uh, but let's say everything works out and uh, given your circumstances, there's no real danger here. Uh, looks like this would be the best way uh, available to you now to celebrate mom's birthday um, and choose. And like, that's what I'm going to do. Give her a call and, and send some flowers. Again, up to here, you've not done anything other than plan and choose you know, the best means available. Then it comes time, as a pro proper moment, to actually command, which means you pick up the phone. And before that, you probably, you know, you go online, you find a flower supplier, you, you, you actually make the order, you set the, you schedule the delivery, you have you, you, uh, shipping information and, and all of that. And, uh, and so, but you, you command yourself to actually take the steps that are required to, to enact and undertake uh, the means to the, to the end. And then you see this through. It's not just enough about ordering the flowers and picking up the phone uh, and making a phone call. It's doing all the things in between to make sure that you follow the order, make sure it's you know, on time, and you track the shipment, make sure it gets there on time, uh, do what it takes to make sure it does get there on time if there are problems, uh, and also doing everything possible to free yourself up at the appropriate moment and to actually make the phone call and you wish, wish your mother happy birthday. So you see how it is and how complicated it can be, how complex it is, removing just from you know, recognizing, uh, you know, looking at your calendar that your mom's birthday is a month away, to actually celebrating it uh, it's through deliberation, judgment, and command that, uh, that you actually achieve the goal here. And this is for everything, everything that we do. All of our action is goal-oriented, because all of our action is goal-oriented, all of our action proceeds through these steps, which is why prudence then is the queen of the virtues and important virtues. Uh, we should all yeah, work daily, work daily at, uh, at mastering. And the way this can apply, and this gets to the, the we can close with this, maybe open up for questions if there or any others, but how this applies to something like vocational discernment, you know, choosing a state in life. I mean, what's the intention that we form? Well, we hear the gospel, we're convinced by its truth. In faith, hope, and charity, we incline to God as first truth, as our final end, as our best friend. We want to live in union with God, which is to say we want to be holy. 
<clears throat> That's the intention. What's the goal? Being holy. <laughs> We got to find a means to that end, right? And not not just talking about just the daily means, but in terms of what we observe in the gospel that that living a life of holiness, striving for holiness, attaining holiness, requires a, a, a certain fixity in life, what we call a state in life, a stable way of living. A way in which we consecrate ourselves to the pursuit of holiness. And so we begin to deliberate then really about those things and what are the states of life. Marriage. Consecrate life. Priesthood as the principal ones. It's the ones that are established both by nature and by grace as those means in terms of being states of life that or through which, by which we pursue the life of grace and the life of holiness. As we begin to deliberate One should already kind of be the object, not only of our deliberation, but our, our consent. I mean, that, that we're drawn to it naturally, and that's marriage. And everyone, insofar as they're created male and a man or a woman, as far as we are created male and female, are made for marriage. That's what God has made us for. That's why it's the distinction of the sex, sexes is for this. And so there's already a natural inclination natural desire for the good of marriage and family life. But that doesn't include others that through the grace of invitation, consecrated life and priesthood could also, you know, it begin to appear to us as something attractive. And whatever, you know, at this initial stage you know, appears attractive to us, a real possibility for us for attaining the end of holiness, whether that also be you know, the consecrated life priesthood, and that's then what we begin to bring over to this next step of prudence to make a judgment as to the best means for me in my life for attaining the end of holiness. Not just what's possible for me, but also in real reflection, in prayer, and through uh, spiritual direction and spiritual counsel discern, make the best decisions to what means to holiness is best for me, not just in my present circumstances, but for the whole of life. In which you know, a judgment and choice is made, real command of that means to you. That you begin to do the things that are necessary in order to move towards entering these states. embracing them and already being on the way. But I think that's the topics that you'll you'll cover in the next in the next couple of, uh, of talks. But it's important to see how it is that something like vocational discernment 
and choosing a state in life is also the result of our own prudential decision. It's not just about standing back and waiting for God to zap us with you know, divine knowledge and divine love of what it is that he wants. As if we're just kind of blind actors standing on the stage waiting for you know the director to give us a script. Uh, that, that's not that's not it. But the engagement of the whole of life towards the end of holiness is the result of our own deliberation, judgment, command. Again, all guided by grace, the counsel of others, making prudential judgments and command of our life, that it is our decision to make. And God has made us in such ways to make this decision in cooperation. It's important just to see how it is that, that even something like our state in life and our our way of life in the church is, yes, first of all, you know, guided by God's grace, but also as the result of our own deliberation and judgment and command. That in make us, making us the rational, intelligent creatures we are, uh, the Lord's not going to lead us to any kind of perfection that would somehow betray that uh, or uh, ignore that or still as do violence you know, to, to our rational nature. Insofar as every goal that we achieve comes by, by the means of prudence, then even, even our holiness in some way is going to be the result of, of that same prudence.